title of the lesson is, Do You Know Your Father? And does he know you? Look in Matthew chapter 21, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. And you know, many people uh, don't have a relationship unless they both work at it. So even a sibling and a father may not feel close. Now, as the father, he's the mature one. He's the one that God allowed to be involved in having the child. So if a father has a child, but doesn't invest the time and strive to be involved with the child, then there's no relationship, but they can still say, you're my father, but they don't really know each other or there's not a closeness that's developed with the display of true love. And this isn't to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but if you haven't been a father the way that you know you need to be, well, if you're listening to this, it's time to just go, God, help me change and be humble and not feel sorry for yourself and continue to avoid something that you could change. Because all you can do is take responsibility for what and what you've done and who you are. And if you want to uh, or need to apologize or reach out to maybe a, a daughter or a son you have not uh, done in a way that you know you need to do, the longer you wait, the harder it is. You just need to go, God help me, and you need to try. The response of the person is up to them. Same with you siblings. As you grow older and whatever, we still need to love our fathers, and we need to forgive our fathers, and vice versa, fathers forgive siblings, because the whole message today is about love. But you got to be able to start with honesty, because if you don't really have a real, honest relationship, then you got to start there and go, we really don't have a relationship. It's just in theory or in hope. So let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. See, this is Jesus talking to people that went to church possibly or believe they knew God all their life. But and because at judgment, this is when at death, when they meet God, they, 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 he said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. See, you wouldn't go up to somebody and yell their first name in excitement uh, if you saw somebody in the mall or somewhere, if you never met them. Because they would look at you as weird. Like if someone came up to if I was walking through the mall and someone said, Chris, Chris, how you doing? Chris! I would be going to my wife out of the side of my mouth. Do we know him? What's his name? Do, I forgot his name. What's his name? Do we know him? And, and because I would be uh, probably nervous that I should know him, but then I'd realize I don't know him. And he could be a complete uh, delusional person that thinks he knows me, but I don't know him. Uh, and then I just have to say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. Did we meet somewhere? And then if he said, oh, yeah, yeah, we met 10 years ago. Remember at that party? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember meeting you. 
great. Hey, it was nice, nice to meet you again. And, you know, I invite him to church and reach out, but I don't know him. He may be a little bit more enthusiastic uh, than he needed to be because if we just had one conversation. But it's more important right now for us to go, does God know us? And does he consider us a son or daughter in his eternal family? Because you can say all day long, you know, the father, but unless you know the word and you understand the heart behind it, you don't. Because he says these people even defend themselves when he says, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, but, but it says many are going to say to me anyway uh, on that day, judgment day, Lord, I, I prophesied in your name. I drove up demons. I uh, performed many miracles. They're going to say we did a lot of exercises uh, in the faith. Uh, we, we attended the membership. We, 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 we used your name. We believed in you. But see, your heart wasn't in it. If you just comply and go through the motions because intellectually, you, you, you're in love with the idea of heaven and you know you're going to die because it doesn't take faith to know you're going to die, then he doesn't know you. And what's he want? He wants to know you. And if you're going to know God and you don't know the Bible, there's no way you can know God the way he expects you to know him. And see, if you argue with that principle, then you're really now showing you're prideful because you're not willing to listen to God. How he says, I need you to understand that I've given you my word inspired by the Holy Spirit to be worked through and written down by men for you to really grasp who I am and what I desire. And then my spirit, as you read the word and long for the truth, you will understand and get to know me and I will reveal myself to you more and more as well as you understand why Jesus came. Amen. Uh, let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter one. In, uh, in verse 4, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to his praise and his glorious grace, which he freely has given us in the one he loves. So here we see that God says that he chose the ones he wanted before the creation of the world. Now, that's intense. And you know how you know if you were chosen? It'll be proved by the way you live your life and by the time you spend striving to understand and love and respect and obey God's word and love, learn to love others as God is showing you his love. He says he predestined us. He has a destiny plan for you. See, if you have a child, you want nothing what, but the, you want them to really be able to fulfill their destiny, not yours. I have a destiny for my kids that I just hope they grow up. And number one, I hope they find God and walk with God and, 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 and become Christians and, you know, find the most important truth ever. And that's eternal life. But then as they live, I hope they are kind and loving and, and live to serve and please God and help others understand the truth as God provides them with jobs and careers and whatever they're doing is if they're willing to work hard and seek first God's kingdom. God says, I'll take care of the clothes, food and shelter and all the things that he knows you need. He predestined us for adoption. Verse five, if you're adopted, you know it. 
and the family knows it. If someone, if parents go through an adoption process, they absolutely know when it finally happens. There's a lot of process. And when you're adopted into God's family, you know what had to happen and you know and are cut to the heart because of what Jesus did on the cross and suffered and died for you to be able to be in the family of God eternally and become a true son or daughter of God. It's not just an intellectual thing. That sacrifice on the cross now produces a humongous total life change, making Jesus Lord and now striving to please God and finding out what pleases your father as you live for him and really are grateful to be in the church, the home that God has for us on earth collectively. Let's look at um, point number one. If you are adopted, point number one would be you're done with sin and self. If you are in God's family, you're done. You're done with that part and that lifestyle that is totally reckless and defiant to your father. And any of us growing up, we've been rebellious. We've done things I'm sure we regret to our parents. I know I did. I've apologized. I was a rebellious uh, son. I lied. I I did things I regret to this day, and I love my parents. My dad lives with me to this day, and I'm very grateful for him and my stepmom, Tyra, and I'm grateful for my mom, Judy, who's in Phoenix, and my stepdad, John, and uh, I've really uh, just respect them and love them. But when I was younger, I, I did some things that really hurt them, and now I'm done with that. And I did things that hurt God, too, until I understood what the cross means. So are you done with sin and self? If you're in God's family and you became a part of God's kingdom through Christ, you are done. And let's look in 1 Peter 4, 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human evil desires, which is sinful desires, but rather for the will of God. What is my, what's your will for me, dad? Uh, for you spent enough time in the past doing what pagans or unbelievers do, choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join in with them in their recklessness and their wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, they, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. If you're part of God's household and God is truly your father, you're done with sin. And let me make a statement here. There's people that will say we're all children of God. No, that's not true. That is not true. We're all created by God in his image, but we're not his part of his family unless we want to, because that would violate the purest form of love that God is. And that is free will. He must give you the freedom to decide 
to understand his truth and who he is and then why you're in this situation and, and, and estranged from him because of your sins and then understand that he, he loved you so much that he had his son come down and die as a sacrifice for you to have the power of God to change and continue to want to change your heart and your direction and, 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 and the way you look at sin, even though it's still going to be enticing. So see, uh, until you do that, you're not a, you're, you haven't become a child of God. You're just a created by God and he's hoping and wanting you to be part of his family, but you got to want to, you can't be part of the family and just continually rebel and disrespect. You're going to be miserable and everybody else will be miserable and you won't stick around. If you're somewhere where you hate being there, you're not going to like it. Like if you don't love worshiping God and being a Christian and living by the Bible and loving uh, uh, singing and, 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 and grateful for people that have deep relationships that help you and encourage you and love you and also challenge you when you're in sin. If you don't enjoy that lifestyle, you're not going to want to be in heaven. You're going to want to be in the debaucherous area with the, with the devil. See, if you're... See, Christ suffered in his body. And since he did that, we arm ourselves with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. That means you're going to suffer emotionally and mentally and physically to overcome your sinful desires that grab you. And you're going to start to take captive with, of your thoughts and, 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 and overcome your emotions that are, that are leading you in the wrong way through prayer and crying out to God and sitting in your emotions until they pass, not giving in to sin. I fell into sin again. No, you walked directly into it and decided to not suffer in sin. And then after you sinned, you felt miserable anyway because it's a lie. And it's the greatest trick. It's like a drug addict that says, I want to not do drugs anymore. It's killing me. But then they do them again and then they feel terrible. And that's what sin is to people. You've got to be ready to be armed to go to fight and let God fight for you. But you've got to be willing and, you know, it says because of that, you don't live anymore the way you were living. Complete different direction. You were living for self. See, self is deadly. If you live for yourself, it's the worst. Yourself is your worst enemy. Jesus says, deny yourself, carry your cross daily and follow me. So you got to understand denying yourself is a blessing that is not supposed to be in disguise, but it is with many people. Many people go, no, I don't want to deny myself. I want all the pleasures. I want whatever's coming. Let me have it. I want the life of easy street. I don't want to make any effort. And that's why even in this world, people that want to be successful have to produce character and character, just even obtaining goals in life takes suffering takes discipline, takes denial of self. The ones who stay lazy and don't and are babying themselves and, and don't push themselves and don't challenge themselves are going to be really miserable anyway because the freedom that they've given themselves to continue to sin is destroying them. And usually people become adults and they haven't done anything and now they're really bitter because they can't hold a job consistently or they always think somebody is, is it's their fault why they got fired or they don't have the job they should have but they don't want to work for it this is character spiritual character is the same thing but you need god and you need christ to help you divinely become like god's character uh point number two chosen to grow not just show 
chosen to grow, not just show. See, God, like any parent that is respectable and loving, wants to uh, mentor their child. And I love, uh, we have uh, uh, Chaz and Amy, a a couple that was recently baptized. They have a beautiful daughter named Ryan, who's 11 months, and little daughter, and uh, uh, Taylor and Alan also have two small children. And you see these parents and men and other parents that have small children, Devon and, and Sheena have uh, DJ and Diamond. Uh, they, they, you can just tell these are young kids. These are, this is the stage of development. And I'm sure in their minds, they want nothing more than to guide them the best they can. And they also know that these kids got to learn to make choices accordingly as they get older and, and learn to know that their free will and their choices will also bring consequences. But, but you want to mentor your kids. You want them to, to grow up and be, and be uh, productive and, and learn the, the, the reward of hard work and, and, and really understand what it means to build character, not just to show up and be soup and be plastic and, 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 and just try to put on a facade. That doesn't get very far. Look in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. So point number two is chosen to grow, not just show. See, when God calls us in his family and he calls us to repent, Jesus says, come, repent and believe the good news. Okay, so when we go, I want some good news, he says, you're going to have to repent. That means you're going to change because the good news is even though you may not understand the things I'm going to call you to change, they're hurting you. They're hurting people. They're hurting God. And I'm going to call you to change and you're going to grow not just show anymore. You're human, but I want you to be in my family and I'm going to mentor you to grow up and be the man or woman that I predestined you to be before the creation of the world. Look in Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature or sinful nature, it could be in a different translation, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, the life you once lived before you were adopted into God's family and you now had God as your father directing and now guiding you. In verse eight, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. Chosen to grow, not just show. You just don't grow up and go out and buy nice clothes and try to put a hat on and make yourself look cool. The clothes mean squat. You can, it's fun to have style, but it's inward character, inward heart, your heart changing and, and showing God that you really are striving to follow and obey and trust him. And you're going to become a man of God and a woman of God, maturing and continuing to serve God and help others understand how to become part of God's family because he's wanting to adopt everyone. Look at um, Luke 15 in verse 11. Luke 15, verse 11. See, you know, if you know God, then you want to be close to God as your father. 
and he wants to be close to you. So it's a daily relationship. And here we see in uh, Luke 15, verse 11, Jesus continued. And he said, there's a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, hey, give me my share in the state. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got up, uh, got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and he squandered his wealth that he didn't earn, the free entitled wealth that he did not work for, that he was given on wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. He began to be in need. So he went and hired out himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, bingo, came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around and kissed him. Let's hold it right there. Here we see the prodigal son. He has everything. But he took it for granted. He didn't have his heart invested. In fact, he really, what, his father was his father by name, but he did not respect his father. And you know, the love for his father could not have been there the way that it needed to be because he didn't care. He said, give me what I didn't earn. I don't deserve, but give it to me. And the father is hurt, but gives it to him. Doesn't agree, but gives it to him. Then he goes. And if it continued to go, they may have never saw him again. He came back because he had nowhere to go. But that's love. But you know what? This son's heart was not given to his father. You got to give your heart to people if you really love them. You can't just kind of have small talk and, you know, just engage when you're engaged with. You got to give back your heart and show people that I value a friendship or relationship with you too. That's what God wants. God's been doing that. God says, I want you to know me through Christ and my word. And as you grow in faith, I, I want, I already know you, but I want to now uh, have you grow and change and no longer live in the, in the slavery of sin that you can't get out of without my power through Christ, the blood of Christ. So you got to put to death these things. What do you need to put to death? And it says, whatever it is, whatever it is, that's not pleasing to God. As you continue to read the Bible, sexual morality, sex outside of marriage. I would say, uh, probably over half the world has sex outside of marriage right now. Uh, TVs, movies, no, no one says anything. If a girlfriend and boyfriend come over and say, hey, mom and dad, I'm living with my girlfriend, no one even understands it anymore. Or, I just don't think it's even uh, considered wrong. No one says anything. Having sex outside of marriage is flat out still deadly wrong and will now show that you do not care or love God. Impurity is masturbation and looking at porno and doing those kind of things, having evil thoughts, criticalness. Uh, thinking you're better than somebody, pride, that's all not pure. You gotta have the blessed of the pure in heart. 
uh, and lust. You, you got to control these things. Can't just keep saying I'm young and I just can't control myself. No, you're not. You don't know God. You got to know God's power if you know God. The power of God comes with God. It's not just God in a cardboard cutout. It's the power of God, the living, active, awesome, powerful God. Drinking alcohol. You drink and you get medicated and you drink every day. That was one of my sins where I didn't get drunk, but it became a vice. It became a medicated. I needed, I was going to have my best friend every night and I was going to have a warm medicated feeling. And I did. And I realized I crossed the line as a Christian and I got help. And I realized I was that, I made that an idol instead of going to God. Hurt my wife, hurt people. But I changed. And I was humble and I listened to discipling and uh, I wish I was humble sooner. I had the sin of pride, but I am a changed man. I grew from it because I didn't, wasn't brought into God's household to be a slow, sloppy drunk. Uh, do you swear? If you say one swear word, this is a good test. If you say one four leather word. And you just keep cussing and don't say, oops, or you don't know where that's wrong, then you don't know God. Because the Bible says over and over, let no filthy language come out of my mouth. So we may swear, but if you don't catch yourself and go, oh, like if, if it came out of my mouth, I go, that's wrong. But I, people actually use cuss words and they think it's funny and colorful. The Bible says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Let no filthy language come out of your mouth, uh, from your lips. So people swear, which, which shows, it's, it, it just shows they don't know God's word. Because see, when you know God's word and whatever God says that's wrong and sin, you start to change. Doesn't mean you're not going to struggle, but you're not just going to just like act like you, it's normal. You're going you're gonna to catch yourself like, oops, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I got to work on that. Amen. So, uh. Point number three is love always trusts, always perseveres. Love never fails. Look in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because see, uh, the reason I'm, I'm really hitting these things is that as a father, a human father, I want my children to be better than me. And it's not like a competition, but I don't want to hold them back. I would like them to skyrocket. I'm not like they're, you know, I want them. And that's the kind of heart you need to have for everyone when you become a child of God, because God wants everyone to live life to the full. So we should want the best for each other and be willing to help each other, not cut each other down, not... Uh, say anything that would be divisive, but only help build each other up in love and, and want the best and be happy for each other. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, it says, if I possess, if I give all I possess to the poor and give only my body, give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And it says other examples, like no matter what I do, if I hang the moon, if I do things no one could ever imagine, but I don't have love, it's nothing. And in verse four, it says, love is patient. So put your name in love because God is these things. And we are, we are called to be like the example of our father. So 
Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in the evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So see, love never fails. Love always trusts. Well, what if someone lies to me? Well, you get in it with them and you talk to them and you're caring and loving them enough to try to help them understand like you would your own son or daughter. If they're being deceitful, you would try to teach them it's, that's lying. That destroys relationships. I'm going to forgive you. Do you understand? And then you forgive people and you don't keep a record of wrongs. It says this, you, 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 you love always trusts. So you use your brain, but if people really want a relationship, they, they'll change. If they don't, you don't have to worry about it because if they keep lying to you, they're eventually going to disappear. People that continue to, to, to violate you and hurt you uh, won't. It's obviously they don't they're not concerned or care about have a friend. Same with God. People that don't want God will not stay around anywhere where people really are serious about loving God and obeying God the way our father says. They will find a place that doesn't call them to be obedient, doesn't expect them to be part of the family and they can do whatever they want, which is really uh, counterfeit God, which is not truth. That's where God's going to go. I don't know you. Uh, but ones who really want to do that, you learn to protect. God protects, so we want to protect. We learn to trust, so we trust and forgive. God forgives and God trusts. God forgives you and me over and over and over. So is that define you? Do you, do you? do you have trust issues? Well, then you need to repent and pray because that means now you're selfish because you're afraid to get hurt. And that's a normal uh, feeling. It's understandable, but it's unacceptable if you're part of God's household. Now you're going to learn to forgive completely. You may pray about it and have to continue to re-forgive, but you're going to give your heart again if you want to be in God's household because that's what God our Father calls us to do. We always trust. We always hope. God is like the God of joy and miracles and life ever after. We always persevere. Jesus showed that as a human being. He didn't quit when he couldn't even carry the cross. He dropped the cross. He was having, he was in shock. He dehydrated. The beating physically he took as a human being, he couldn't stand anymore with the cross. He didn't say, I'm done. He didn't say, I quit. They grabbed a guy, uh, Simon, of uh, 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 Cyrene, and made this guy carry the cross. And Jesus got up and followed him. He didn't feel like walking all the way there after that beating and then put down to the cross and nailed. He did that with perseverance because of love. He loved, Jesus persevered in the brutal beating and the separation of God as he took on our sin because that's what love does. Are you doing that for people? Love never fails. So if you don't know what to do, you do know what to do, love. Look at Romans 8, 28, Romans 8, 28. What kind of father, if you're a dad, have you been to your kids? What kind of son or daughter have you been to your parents or your father? You might say, well, my dad abandoned me. I don't even know where he is. Well, I'm really sorry about that. But you got to work through if you have bitterness or anger or hate because that is not right. But God will deal 
with him, even though you don't know where he is. But you got to release that. But if you do have an estranged relationship and there's a way to get in touch with each other, just because time and damage has been done doesn't mean you can't persevere and throw out an olive branch and say, I wanna, I'd like to try again, or I'd love to know you. It's not easy, but it's right in God's household. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he glorified. See, we know that God works for the good of those who love him. See, that, 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 that line is even used in movies. God works for the good, and they stop there. No, he doesn't work for the good of everybody. He works for the good of those who love him. And you know, you know what love is to God? In John 14, 23, among many, many more places, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you do not love me, you will not obey my commands. So, so if you love God, you'll obey him. So he works for the good of those who obey him. And part of obeying is repenting. Part of obeying is being humble and willing to get help and understand grace and forgiveness. But it's not just uh, abandoning him or, or in your heart, not respecting and, and going through the motions and, and being self-righteous and, and a hypocrite and, and forcing and telling everybody you're a Christian when you don't, you, you, you're no more than a Christian recognizable than the man on the moon. Uh, don't just be honest with yourself in the Bible. Let the Bible be the mirror. And then we don't judge each other, but don't just, you know, think you're right when you're in all this kind of wicked, crazy behavior and you're not changing and you're thinking grace is saving you. You're insulting the grace. You know, you know. And, and if you want help, call me 480-329-0871. I'll study the Bible with you anytime. I'm in Orlando. How you doing? So now let's look at uh, Luke. Uh, in, uh, in well, Excuse me. As we look at the father, uh, I want to go back to the prodigal son. I want to go back to, uh, let's pick it up where we left off in um, verse uh, 18, in Luke 15, verse 18. Because this is God's love for us. Now, so we, we left off where... Uh, First of all, I want to make out a, a clear thing. Uh, sometimes some of us need to just go out and just beat the tar out of ourselves with our choices. I don't know what it is, but I think, like for me, I needed to go my own way until I really was open to studying the Bible. And God can do that, like through COVID-19. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's got you feeling fearful because you possibly... Are, are, are afraid of the virus, you might get sick. Don't be hysterically fearful. Be faithful but humble toward it and follow the, uh, the, you know, the rules of the, uh, of the medical professionals. And now I think in Orlando, I know in Orlando, we all need to wear a mask when we go outside. So let's just do that. But um, you may be economically feeling things and insecurity and fear. And that's a terrible feeling. But God, what's God doing with COVID-19? He's working in a way to get people's attention, not to hurt them. And look at this. Just as the father got in trouble, uh, we see here in verse 
13 of Luke 15, not long after the son got together, all he had set off and then he squandered all his uh, wealth in wild living. So he broke, he, but he's not thinking about his dad. He just split, I'm done. I got my own, I got everything. I didn't earn it. I'm, I'm just taking it, entitlement, sense of entitlement. And then after he'd spent everything in verse 14, there was a severe famine. That could be an economic recession. Uh, in the whole country. And what happened? He began to be in need. And then it says, so he went out and hired himself as a citizen in the country who sent him to, into the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. Then in verse 17, when he came to his senses, and see, this is what pain and fear and idols such as career or stability or things that we all want, God knows, but when they, if that's our idol and we're not really recognizing God and going to God and getting right with God because we're insulated with stuff or things that we, God knows we all need. Once you, this, this son began to be in need, no one gave him anything. God was in control. He began to be in need. And it says that in verse 16, no one gave him anything. And then he became to his senses. So sometimes when we get into being in need, God will put us in a position where no one or nothing's going to help us except God, because that's where it's got to go. A lot of times we'll keep running through people and getting bailed out, but we don't hit bottom enough to go, oh my gosh. And see, what we really got to know is when we die, who's going to raise you from the dead? Not your career, not your life. God, through Christ, if you're one of his. So if you're in need and life isn't going the way you're, you're wanting it to, and it's been that way for a while, uh, and, no, and no matter what you do, it's not working, maybe you need to come to your senses and go, I need to get right with God and, or, or, and, and look into it and seek God and let someone open the scriptures with you and be humble and not act like you know everything just because you grew up going to church. The word of God is the truth. So we see that, and then we see the dad in verse 18. After he says, I'm going to go back and, avert, and say, I'm not worthy to be a son. In verse 20, pick it up, actually. Verse 20 says, so he got up, went back to his father. While he was a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion, not anger. There's that little son of a gun that took all my money and wasted it. What's he want now? He was a grumpy guy when he lived here. No, he's filled with compassion for him. He runs to the son, throws his arms around him and kisses him. The son said, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, quick, uh, said to the servants, quick, put the best robe on him, put a ring on his finger and a sandal on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. So see, God's love never fails. We just got to want to stay with God. See, God will love you even if you never get right with God. But when you die, you're separated. If you don't want a relationship with God the way God calls you to have one through Christ, then why would it, it would be ingenuine when you die and then you want one? Because the only reason you want one is because you, it's a better choice. But that shows no love. It's just, once again, self. So your heart's not right. If your heart's not right with God, you can't be with God. See, God gives us grace, but you got to have a right heart in grace. So if you just want to be right with God so you don't go to hell, that's not, that's, 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 that's selfish. You got to want God. So I just think uh, 
This is incredible because God's love is kind and compassionate, always forgiving. My question is, how quick are you to forgive? How do you feel? Is there anybody in your life that you have bad feelings toward? You need to start praying and deal with that. God says, love your enemy, forgive. And keep forgiving and keep praying. So closing out, let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. And understand that hopefully you're enjoying Father's Day. As a father, I have not been perfect. I still need a lot of help. And you know what, dads, if you're really a dad, I think you say sorry and you acknowledge when you're wrong to your children, no matter how old they are, because trying to pull the power card of the dad or I pay the bills or do this and that, that does nothing but just look at, make them look at you and go, wow, now you're not, you're not wanting a loving relationship. You're, you're, you're putting to rest and, and, and power trip on it. See, God says, love me back. I will love my kids and continue to change. And I have a long way to go and I have adult kids. But I am striving to be the best I can, full-hearted, because that's what God, my Father, wants, as I'm striving to be wholehearted with my Father, because even though I need a lot of help and forgiveness, I want to please my Father. Same with my dad here, my human dad, he's 80, Neil. In Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Then, uh, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, neither demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers... Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from your father. The question, though, is do you know your father? And the, and the only way you can validate that answer was from his words. Would he condone and agree and say, yes, by your life, I can say, you know me. Are you done with sin and selfishness? Are you striving to live a life, the life of the cross? Carry your cross daily and follow Jesus. Learn to deny yourself and love others and God more than yourself. It's a blessing that's not supposed to be in disguise. And once you start to live out that way, you realize true joy comes to you. Point number two was you're chosen to be adopted to grow and let God conform you to the likeness of his son and develop you and be proud of you as you now go and help others come to be adopted into God's family. You're just not in church to be a show. It's just not a fashion show. It's not, oh, you're here to tell jokes. No, you're here 
to be conformed and let God build you and you want to obey and humble out and change and suffer as you overcome sin and grow and become more like Christ. And the third one is love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. God is always offering that to you. God is good all the time. My question is, are you growing in that with the people in your life? Are you loving them in perseverance? Are you loving them in trusting? Are you loving them in hope? Are you the one that comes with the faith of joy and says, we can do this. Get up. You can do it again. Because God's love never fails and nothing will separate us, even death. So happy Father's Day, God. It's awesome to be with you. Help anyone who heard this message to please ask to look at the word and be humble. And happy Father's Day to all of you fathers out there. And may God get all the glory. Amen.